Hello, welcome to the Beaten Track, and indie music and culture podcast, bringing you uh, the latest indie topics. As well, this week we're doing a topic, but we do a topic and an album each week, and we're going through the the indie. Uh, what would you say, Louis? Are you going to come in? And... I am. I am. Do you want me to come in? Yeah, come in. Help me out. Once again, it was a very smooth introduction. <laughs> Yeah, this week, I guess this week, we're, it's kind of quite focused, but also might touch on some bigger themes. We are sort of, I feel like we're slightly late to an issue here. We're, we're behind the the outrage of this issue, but it's an yes. exciting topic to be covering because it feels, um, still has a relevance to us, I suppose, or to, to any yeah. British people who grew up. Who uh, all uh, yeah? Any British people that grew up? That's yeah, they, well, that's yeah, pretty probably. much, pretty much all of us. So um, I guess we'll go straight into it because I butchered the intro. But we are today talking about the term landfill indie, which was um, I believe uh, coined in about two thousand eight or something in a Guardian article, but has recently come back into relevance because of a list that Vice UK put out that was the the 50 best landfill indie records, which is a kind of an odd sort of slightly oxymoronic term because it's mm. compiling the best out of something that's deemed to be mediocre or uh, generic. So yeah, it's, and, and there was recently also a, an enemy article sort of fighting for the enemy corner, which obviously championed a lot of those bands back in the day. Yeah. So want to, Oh to yeah. Yeah. The, the enemy. Themselves. Enemy will be nothing without landfill indie. It's, uh, no, it's the only thing that kept it going before uh, before it finally went. Well, there you go. Um, so, what what does what does landfill indie mean to you, Joe? <laughs> well, it meant nothing to me before <laughs> before about two weeks ago, whatever, when the article was released. Because I don't know why. I, I, I think I just refer to the bands that it's referring to as sort of pop rock or like uh, indie rock or. I, I, just, you know, what it's referring to, I believe, and there's a lot of omissions in the the Vice article, which is another thing that's kind of like confusing. I think there's no bands outside of the UK in the list, um, which limits what I consider these sort of landfill bands. Um, but it's referring to a sort of very guitar-focused pop rock music that's sort of aping maybe like the strokes or the Arctic monkeys yeah. and stuff. Um, very poppy songwriting and some, t- some influence of like garage revival. Um, yeah. Lots of, I think, I think basically it was just, it was the bands that came after the sort of garage revival bands. So the strokes, um, white stripes, the libertines, the hives being the sort of early ones. And then I think people, realized there was commercial success in sounding kind of kind of guitar bass but also um reasonably poppy and uh there just were tons and tons of bands and in around sort of 2008 sort of time there was there was millions of them um and it, it probably was a bit like a landfill yeah and we think... oh sorry on. well i think the thing about this this genre we'd call it that is that I was a bit late for it to, to, well, and you would have been a bit late to the party in terms of 
um actually experiencing it head on but these bands still have like an enormous cultural impact an enormous sort of nostalgia perhaps. yeah they still get radio play quite a lot of these songs um and also these bands do i think the vice article said you know these bands were still headlining like reading and places like that like yeah two three years ago so it's not yeah i think i think i would separate it because i mean we talked about when i said we should do landfill indie what we didn't want to do was review sort of the sort of rubbish stuff we have gone for um a band that probably preceded the sort of landfill stage and were part of more of the sort of garage rock revival because I think, although they probably had their part to play, we should say what we're reviewing, really, shouldn't we? We're going to talk this week about the Libertines' debut album, Up the Brand. Yeah, which which is, I wouldn't describe as Landfill Indie because it came before and probably um, was the precursor to sort of British Landfill Indie. Yeah, even um, precursor to Arctic Monkeys. And I think Yeah, yeah. one of the things you get from the Libertines, but obviously we'll go into more depth, is the sort of, First of all, like the raw sort of very punchy sort of songwriting, but also the sort of colloquial aspect of it. The, the idea that it's the dialect and hundred percent, yeah, it was. It, I mean, it was a start, a sense of a, of a huge sort of uh, guitar music revival in the in the UK that might have ended up as being landfill indie, but certainly didn't start off that way. And uh, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, oh, sorry, <laughs> I was talking sort of. I think it's interesting putting them in that sort of the canon of, of in, like sort of British or English guitar based rock because they feel quite important in that way and they and their sound kind of draws upon lots of um, the earlier bands. I'm sure that I mean the Clash definitely being one of them, uh, the Kinks, the Jam, that sort of sound. Yeah, if you think about like British Invasion and stuff, there's yeah. some. There's some threads there that link, I guess, or although it was a kind of this maybe like the Strokes in like New York as like a maybe one of the precursors to like the movement. But I mean, I'd like I'd like to be able to sort of landfill indie does sound like an incredibly dismissive term, but at the same time, I don't find myself having a lot of affection for like a lot of these bands so it becomes difficult to kind of dismiss it in a way because if i look at like the future heads or the wombats or yeah even oh something God. you've managed just... to name the you managed to name the worst two there <laughs> i mean uh, also another thing i'd know is a lot of these these songs and bands i hadn't i don't actually know them yeah i think there's some yeah it's it's hard isn't it because i think there are bands in there that are that get lumped in there that I quite like things like Block Party. A block um, Party in the list? I didn't. Um... I don't know whether they were in the list, but they tend to get sort of put in. I, I you know, like the Cribs as well. I quite I like the Cribs. Um, things like that. There's there's hundreds and hundreds of of different. Uh, I think uh, Interpol, the, on, Interpol on the list. I don't think so. I think the epitome of the sound, though, would be the Kooks or Scouting for Girls or, or the Future Heads. Things yeah, like the Kook. Yeah, these the are probably. And I don't know. They're like, I I sort of enjoy them like as pop like songs. Like if it comes on the radio or something, I'm not. They just were never sort of album bands, and I think mm. the reason why like Enemy or something are defending them now and like. 
I read the enemy article just now and like they're they're sort of pointing out a, um, a kind of de or denying the hegemony that the vice are identifying but I don't actually see the sort of variations that they're pointing out they're sort of like oh well this band were terrible um the one with um Nicholas Holt and I can't remember that band but like then like something else is good and it's just like well actually I don't like the Fratellis or Kasabian or I, I don't know Sabian's yeah. another one to bring in. It's like, I don't know. I'm not yeah. sure if they're on the list, but like... Yeah, Fratelli, Fratelli's definitely on the list. Kaiser Chiefs. Okay, yeah, Kaiser Chiefs, I can get behind calling landfill. Yeah. <laughs> and, okay, this is a... This is a quote from... They say on the enemy thing, there was enough amazing music floating to the surface that was easy to ignore the chat. In the decades of gigging, I've rarely seen crowds go as shit cake crazy as they did to Hard Fi and the Wombats. So, like, they're sort of hmm. defending um, these landfill... <laughs> I keep calling them, but I don't actually have any sort of grasp over the term. But then they're pointing out, like, Hi-Fi and the Wombats. But, I mean, even if you enjoy their music, I don't think you'd, you'd argue that they're particularly um, sort of distinct in any way. Like, No. I don't know, like you can enjoy something without um, saying it's like a, because enemy is sort of pointing the other way and being like, this was an important movement. This was like punk. This was mm. like Britpop. And I don't think that's particularly. No, like... I think, yeah, I think there are elements of it and that were important. I think the Libertines definitely would be one. Um, but yeah, maybe, maybe I'd, I think maybe I'm more tempted to put them in the sort of, the more sort of, uh, Atlantic, sort of cross-Atlantic um, garage rock revival kind of thing, the Strokes, White Stripes. Um, maybe I'd just put all the better bands in that one. <laughs> well, I, no, but I think there is a... Dis well, it's a very hard distinction to make because there's a lot of... A lot of the bands are trying to ape a sort of kind of garagey thing or like a... Mm. I don't know, there's a certain like casualness of just being able to pick up a guitar and like form these bands and stuff and all the yeah. different regions and stuff. And yeah, it was, in oh yeah, an incredible amount of sort of, um, young, skinny white men, um, talking about sort of absolute, absolute rubbish for about, for, <laughs> for a good 10 years. There was, um, there was just endless amounts of bands that really had nothing to say. Yes. Of um, any interest. So also something on this list is they do, Towards the bottom, they're like they get a bit sort of. The Arctic Monkeys do appear on the list, and they say they like, do, yeah, yeah. They they have a, like a caveat, which is like, oh, we don't think the Arctic Monkeys are landfill, but what we this, do think this that song, this song is, yeah, which is like I don't know, it's a good song. <laughs> I, I don't know, and also Baby Shambles are on the list, but the Libertines aren't. I don't think. Yeah, annoying. yeah, that is that is strange. I do kind of I, I guess that obviously Baby Shambles coming from. Um, Pete Doherty from the Libertines like I I would put Baby Shambles and Dirty Pretty Things in the sort of landfill indie side of of that of that thing just because they were later and sounded less distinct and well, even though I, quite, I do quite like Baby Shambles yeah I'd say they still keep the sort of garagey I, I, yeah I don't know it's difficult mm, yeah I don't should, know. We, should we talk about the Libertines a little bit specifically I guess. Well, we're gonna we're gonna talk about the album, yeah. I mean, yeah. Do you, 
The Libertines are an interesting one, I suppose, because they're like they did sort of burn out, I guess, in a way. So they they were still an early example. Yeah, um, definitely, definitely a burnout. They, yeah, being, yeah, they they never really kind of. I guess they never fill the sort of landfill indie because they never really released enough music to start releasing bad albums. If you um, get what I mean. Yeah, I mean they did the. I don't know. I'm not a big fan of the later one or whatever. They, but I mean, yeah, this they're like they sort of encapsulate. I think what was part of the the excitement and the energy that 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 places like the enemy were latching onto that did seem like this kind of youthful and like chaotic movement. Yeah, and yeah, there's a lots of focus on the sort of the live performances and the the sort of the authenticity of it and and it is kind of sort of stripped down it's a bit like sort of pub rock in a way it's kind of like and they obviously used to play like lots of gigs in their own sort of front room these guerrilla gigs they have this sort of authentic stripped back sound which i'm sure back in sort of 2001 2002 was quite an exciting thing to be involved in yeah and obviously that becomes linked to like Pete Doherty's persona and like yeah. the sort of news cycle as well and things like that that did launch like these people into a kind of stardom that is rare. Or that here's here's a little question for you. Obviously, Doherty and and, and Carl Barrett are the are the sort of main attraction of the band, and their songwriting partnership is a is the kind of main attraction. Um, Who's Doherty and who's Barrett out of me and you? That's the that's the question. Oh, I don't know, Louis. That's a... I don't really know anything about um, Barrett. So, well, <laughs> it's if we well, you've got to be Doherty because of the the heroin addiction, surely. Yes, I can. Yeah, I was yeah briefly in a relationship with um, with Kate Moss. With Kate Moss, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when I was like ten. <laughs> Yeah, back, I don't in know. The, back in the good old days. <laughs> don't know who I'd be, to be honest with you, but one of them, definitely. Yeah, definitely one of the two. If I had to pick. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and you mentioned it before. You mentioned the sort of um, the sort of colloquialisms and the, the the sort of slang and things like that, and the sort of rowdiness of it. Definitely, is something that has lasted in some bands. Definitely, the Arctic Monkeys and. Um, Possibly a few others. What um, you see with the Arctic Monkeys, though, I think, is like a need to to move beyond. If you see like something like Tranquility Base Hotel and Casino, it's moving towards. Oh yeah, they definitely. A bit more. Yeah, They're because they can't. A um, I mean, a lot of bands, I feel like, and you see them playing like quite big festivals and stuff. They are they've become like these sort of entities that are just re- either repeating their old music or like yeah. creating songs that sound quite similar they're not really yeah. they're just there to play the hits basically and like yeah I don't know, yeah I think I think the Arts and Monkeys you would you'd say have managed to sort of shrug off the landfill indie kind of thing because they've gone on to be something different whether or not their albums a bit you know I don't think they produce a lot of great stuff since the first album but um, they've still kind of shrugged off the sort of landfilly sort of idea as have a couple of bands, you know. I mean, the Strokes might, would be. Might, yeah, the Strokes being the other one that have kind of have, have shrugged that sort of thing off of being 
And it's not even like their sound has changed that much. The strokes, yeah. or, I guess I, they did vary between like, I don't know, the original sort of album cycle, but then the newer one that they had like this year, it's still like very much that same sound, but it's yeah. just the songwriting is so precise and yeah, that it does become something else really. And they're not, um, I think one thing is about a lot of these songs as well as the lyrical content is kind of like, it is a bit, samey or like um there's a lot of themes and things that you'll see like replicated yeah. throughout definitely that gives it a kind of hegemony but um shall we should we should we go into it should we go into um up the bracket yeah it's, a, it's an album Just what it is she does But it can't be hard for her To get a buzz Down in the street below What do you think about the bracket? I, I like up the bracket. I think it's quite fun and a little bit chaotic. Not chaotic, but just just sort of libertinesy. They have a sort of slightly rowdy, chaotic sense, and I think it's a very good, not sort of great, but very good, uh, entertaining album. That would be my sort of initial review. Mm, I mean, the, that's the. I don't know. I find this one difficult because when I listen to this album. I sort of, there's something about, there's something distancing about it. I don't know if it's like, some of the songs feel like, aside from like the main, the, the big ones, some of them feel like kind of indistinct or like, almost like, yeah. there's something quite odd about the songwriting in terms of like, um, if you think about like traditional song structure or something, sometimes it seems that it's sort of, they're going into a chorus, but then it's like the bridge or something, it's all kind of a bit muddled and I don't know how to quite describe it. Yeah. I definitely think there's a there's this uh, there's definitely a theme with with the libertines where they they kind of do sort of verge on the sort of the sort of drunken in their sound and they do sound kind of I agree that lots of their songs kind of just get lost a little bit in the sort of they always seem quite close to sort of losing the song completely but then I think just about managed to hold it together and and still kind of make it interesting yeah. enough for me for me anyway, but I do get that they, it is a little bit sort of, me- it's, it's kind of messy and, and yeah, I yeah. Think it's um, in opposition to like the idea of like a landfill or something. This, it surprises me almost from, from this album that they, they were such a, a popular and like uh, mm. one of those bands that like, you know, millions of people would like latch onto because. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree actually, but they did, this album does stand in contrast to the sort of things we've been talking about before when we're talking about sort of bands that sound more sort of commercially successful. That's not the sound of this album really at all. No, it's, yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's very strange. It's like, it's like some of the songs don't really have, well, they do have choruses and stuff, but they're kind of, they're lost almost. And it's kind of, yeah. I don't know. For me, it's a kind of indistinctness, but I also see how it could be an appeal of the band. 
because it is a bit more yep. of an edgy sort of a raw sort of sound and it works with Doherty's vocals things like that it's kind of yeah it's, yeah the other thing I thought just initially listening to it is similar to maybe um maybe it's similar to a couple of the albums that we talked about on the on the podcast before but it's, it's quite short again it doesn't last particularly long and it, the, the songs seem quite fast and even though there are a couple of songs that I don't think are great they don't seem to hang around for a while and, and I'm, I'm 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 quite pleased with that when I'm listening to especially when you listen to an album before you talk to it and you have to listen to it maybe a couple of times on repeat mm. It does. It, it goes along quite fast, and it, it's 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 quite funny, and it's kind of witty as well. And it it, it was. I re- I actually kind of enjoy going back to it. The the good thing about this one is that I'm on, I actually have this on. Um, I have the record, so I was able to just put it on and and listen to it. It was quite nice. I appreciate also the that there is variation in the songs, and they're not just. Again, they're not going for like just straight sort of bangers or anything like this yeah there's some more melancholic songs some more like slower um sort of introspective ones amongst yeah. like yeah it's it's kind of disorderly but at the same time there is like a a structure to it and like a an inventiveness of tone that's different to like yeah it, it's good i think it, it it manages to be kind of rowdy as well as a li- kind of poetic and it sounds a little bit it sounds pretty tight whilst also sounding kind of kind of messy and it has moments where, that are quite uh, you know some kind of really like fuzzy riffs and and but also there are moments that are more you know you know melancholy like you said so i think it does it, it is an interesting album and it's got a couple of different sides to it it's definitely it's no landfill as an album no i do you want to get into a track or two yes let's do it what what would be your i think the first one i like to talk about is horror show okay let's do it because i like this song the reason why the reason why i first discovered this song is because i was creating a playlist for halloween ah. and i think i typed in horror show <laughs> and then i found this song and to my horror i uh, ended up really enjoying it so it's a song i've known kind of before i knew the album that well so it's like amongst um, the monster mash and stuff yeah it is it's like a, it's it, Fits in quite well with the Monster Mash uh, and Time War, and then the, and the cramps and things like that. <laughs> okay, but I, I mean, think I think I think it's a really good song. I think it I think it's really good. Yeah, but it's another one where I'm like, it's a very short, punchy song, and I get the appeal and stuff. But then I watched like um, you know, a live performance of the Libertines, and they're playing it at like a festival, like Glastonbury or something. And I'm like, mm. in like 2015 or something, and I'm like, is this really like? as much of a song that people like universally adore as like, you know, something like the Fratellis, like Chelsea Dagger. Like it surprises me almost that it's like horror show yeah. is like something that's in their I set think, and everyone's cheering and stuff. And I'm like, okay, well, yeah. I don't really know I think this it's because I think it's because um, 
the Libertines were such a, you know, were the first of this revival, and I think they were genuinely sort of appreciated and popular. And but I think we have a tendency, looking back, to lump them into the with other bands. When in reality, I think they they do stand alone. It's a great little track. It's a fantastic little. It's more sort of um, punky of anything. And you know, maybe we should mention the fact that um, Mick Jones uh, produced the album, obviously from the Clash and. There is that, um, I talked about it a little bit earlier on, that, that sort of, um, some classic sort of influences of British rock and fuzzy guitars, whilst also sort of blues influences and, and stuff like that. And it is, mm. it's a, this is a good example of that sort of, that sort of sound being pulled off pretty well. And the vocals, I mean, you can't really, if you're talking about Clash influence, I think the vocals are kind of yeah. up there, the kind of pub rock thing that, yeah. And also, like the unpredictable. What I like about horror show is the kind of melody does feel quite unpredictable and like, yeah, you know, it's it is this drunk and sort of this the sense of just about losing it. It does keep it exciting. Yeah, and I mean, I, I wonder if also like in terms of, if, I know it's not really a sort of genre or like a a traceable thing, but I wonder if like in terms of the sort of drunken vocal, whether like or maybe some of the slower tracks, maybe like Shane McGowan or something would be. A sort yeah. of lighter influence. I don't know. Yeah, definitely. I think so. I think there's lots of there's lots of influences of it obvious in this in the Libertines. But it's I think it's always good when you can sort of tell the influences, but you're not you're not just thinking, oh, this is some sort of um just a regurgitation of, of, of old sort of ideas. It 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 does manage to sound I think the, the album's actually aged quite well. It still sounds pretty good. Yeah, I it think still sounds- I think it's just like instrumentally, they're always, they are sort of always doing something kind of interesting or there's a lot of yeah. like good percussion and like just mixing up with the, the vocals yeah. and the percussion and like the guitar tone is quite distinct as well. And I think they're all, it is does it, stand out definitely. What what other tracks would you like to uh, like to mention? I mean, the title track is, I hate to be like the a basic. <laughs> I mean, I just like the, I think up the bracket is one of the ones that would be like a banger. Like, yeah. Oh, it's a great song. Yeah. Yeah. It's very catchy. Like, it is. That, sort and... of, that does remind me of sort of the sort of better early class songs that um, you get a lot of songs from the class that are interesting and short and different, but then you might just get one or two that are like, really well um written and it's it's fantastic it's got a great hook and it's gritty and it's it's a great it's a yeah it's a really good track i think along with the the monkeys not the monkeys <laughs> the arctic monkeys no the, um, the monkeys <laughs> they're very similar i along with the arctic monkeys this is the band where like you've got these really distinct riffs basically mm. that really help to sort of ground the tracks and give them this yeah. kind of this drive that either I mean it's a kind of it's not a fretted riff on this but like it's a yeah. sort of chord sequence this very sort of yeah just it just mm. hits hard it is a kind of very sort of enticing as soon as you hear it and yeah well I think along with that one we might as well mention the other one that's maybe the other big one which is Time for Heroes um, mm. which again I think is great because of its because of its lyrical content about it's kind of about sort of riots i've written about 
um, Pete Doherty's involvement in the poll tax riots, apparently. Didn't, I didn't realise that until doing a bit okay. of research. But it is sort of um, riotous and feels very energetic. And yeah, and another one that, that stands out. Yeah, I think it's also like, it's the the lyrics about like love or camaraderie and stuff. There's this kind of, it's yeah. quite appealing and quite sort of, um, almost com- like complex is like lyrical content compared to like just something about you know being young or something it's more yeah. tying it to the kind of theme of riots and also yeah. having a sort of more like something more tender or, or melancholy like yeah within the song as well it's kind of it tells a bit more of a story like I think some of the the great early sort of Arctic Monkey songs it's got a sense of personality that might yeah. not exist in like a lot of that song also contains one of my favourite lyrics of all time, if not my favourite lyric of all time, oh which God. being there are there are fewer more distressing sights than that of an English man in a baseball cap. Which I just <laughs> which I think after wearing a baseball cap today, earlier today as well, I can confirm. I think it's um, remains one of my yeah, I think and it sums up the sort of it the album is kind of fun and witty, but it's never sort of too much of anything it's it's entertaining but still kind of poetic and, and stuff and yeah I, I particularly like that one yeah the, the there's a, yeah the jokiness of the lyrics yeah it's definitely in appeal i mean I don't, mm, I don't have that much to say i it's not like an album that i actually i don't know i didn't see myself going back to it that much or it's not my mm. I don't know, I enjoy, yeah, I sort of enjoy it when it's on, but a lot of the songs I'm not a massive fan of, I'd say. Yeah, there, there's some others. There's songs like Radio America, you know, I can, that's it's not really great. Yeah. And there's other ones, I think, like sort of, um, even ones like sort of Death on the Stairs and stuff like that. There's some, there's entertaining bits about them. You know, the the, the vocal performances of, you know, the, the dual vocal of Barrett and Doherty is always fun. Yeah, there's nothing whenever, bad. Yeah, whenever it comes up, it's always interesting to listen to. Um, I guess the only other one, and maybe I would mention, is is Boys in the Band. Yeah, uh, okay, yeah. Just because it's just because just because of how you know it kind of sat. It's a great kind of riff, um, and it's got this kind of sound like some of the other songs, and then it just goes into this. Um, like barbershop um harmony thing it's just, and it's and it's and it's enough to make you sort of smile when you listen to it because it is it is it is that sort of song yeah and it's like one of the it's like you know like i keep comparing everything to the Arctic monkeys so i think they're more <laughs> that's fine mate, I think. but like something like fake tales of san francisco where it's like yeah. talking about the the culture around yeah, yeah the band definitely. rather than I don't know. Yeah, so I think those songs are always quite fun, and it's kind of got a sort of satirical sort of edge to it, and it's not taking itself too seriously. Yeah, I think yeah, there's lots of uh, yeah, and I think the way the album talks about it, it, it talks a lot about you know British life and and sort of it feels and that's definitely something that's very similar to the Arctic Monkeys is that it feels very um, you know. Um, sort of localized in the sense, and you you have that sort of um, definitely with the Arctic Monkeys as well. You feel like you've got to sort of 
uh, know the places and, and and understand it, and you'll get more out of the uh, of the album. And that feels the same with the Libertines. Yeah, I guess also, not that I yeah I don't want to tie them to the sort of in uh, the landfilling. I think as part of what the NME article was about was like sort of you know leave us alone. We're just having fun, sort of thing. It was kind of like defending almost the urgency of a movement by just saying like essentially it was enjoyable and I think a lot of the sense of them focusing on like a lot of, of a lot of these bands as opposed to like a lot of art rock bands that came out during like the early 2000s and stuff is it's just immediately engaging and it's mm. not I don't know it's it has the sense of fun and the sense of there's something about the the localized sense that even though these songs are kind of like universally enjoyable but the idea about it's still got they've all got this distinctness because of just the the embracing of the sort of the regionality of the accents and things like yeah. that, that that does make even like the most indistinct of the the landfill bands or whatever kind of it's quite interesting to chart them almost as like like the original cycle of like garage rock bands or something just mm. as this this phenomenon that like popped up and that was like an quite an exciting time for people who were within it i guess yeah yeah no i think yeah i've not got a a, a load more to say about it i think it's got a good the the fact the, the last song's good i get along is a is a good closer but yeah i think it's i think it, as i said before i think it's a, i think it's a good album and it's entertaining and 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 holds up and still sounds pretty good but it's you know perhaps not on the level of the other albums that we've we've talked about or certainly maybe the first two albums we talked about on the podcast no yeah i mean yeah i think i don't know because i like the the monks sound a bit more i think but i mean at the same time that was an album that i don't think is perfect so yeah i think it's yeah it's quite well so we, i guess that's about it yeah yeah so i have got for you joseph a very special return of one of our favorite features uh i'll, I'll yeah i'll call it the the best feature of any An radio, radio show or podcast yeah. of all time it is the return of i feel like it should have a jingle but i'll just i'll just mention the name the return <laughs> of up down side to side uh Pitchfork album reviews is that is that up and downy side to side Pitchfork album reviews. I always feel like there's more than that. I put I said up and down, but that's the same thing. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, I think that's it. I'm I'm trying. It's been that long since I've said it. Well, there it is. That was a rubbish equivalent of the jingle. Okay. So, what happens is I give Joe um, an album, and then. And its review on Pitchfork. Obviously, you get the the number, so it could be six point seven or eight point two. And then I'll give him a number of other albums, and he has to guess whether it scored higher or lower or side to side. I've remembered the full name now. It's higher or lower, up down, side to side. Pitchfork album reviews. There we go. <laughs> higher and lower, and up and down are the same thing. Yeah, but it's, that's just the name. Okay, that's why I got confused. Okay, yeah, it's a good name. So. Would you like to guess, Joe, what the what Pitchfork gave uh, the Libertines up the bracket? And is this an original review? It is an original review from I January the fifth, two thousand and three. I can see him being quite snarky because they were mm. 
more looking at like the sort of more arty bands like Animal Collective and Grizzly yeah. and stuff. They okay. weren't as at the forefront of the British yeah. sort of what you know what has been deemed landfill. I'm gonna go yeah. for a solid, but still not like a high score of like seven point three. Okay, well, I can tell you it's an eight point five. That's what they okay. gave it. Yeah, okay. well, which I think is probably probably fair enough. I think yeah. it's, a, it's not a bad review at all, and for Pitchfork especially. Impressive so I've got you work. three. I've got you three albums here. I've decided to avoid the Strokes because I thought that that would be either too easy or just not interesting enough, really. So the first album I have got for you is. A garage rock revival classic from the Hives. Uh, it, Venny, it's their debut album. What is it? Venny VD Vicious, it's called, but it's essentially the Hives' mm. debut album. Well, I sort of hate the Hives. I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty sure, like a lot of publications do as well. Yeah, but at I the mean, same they were time, definitely, they were like the other one, weren't they? There was like the Strokes, and there was the Hives, but it never really happened. This is an original review as well from 2002. I can see them panning the hives as well, but I, I don't know. My my presumption seems to be leading me astray slightly. I'm, but I'm going to go for a four point six. A four point six. Are you saying it's lower? Yes. Sorry. Yeah. Yes. It's <laughs> the point of the game. So. Oh yeah, I don't even have to guess the score. It got. It got. <laughs> yeah, you just have to say lower. You don't have to guess the score. Right. It got seven point four. So you got yeah. it right, but um, I just thought they'd panic completely. Yeah. So yeah. That, so. You got one out of three so far. Next one. The White Stripes is White Blood Cells. Right. And this is the one with Fell in Love with a Girl and stuff on it. Uh, yes, I believe so, yeah. It's a good album. It's probably the White Stripes' second best album. Mm, um, yeah. I, it's a good album. I like it. Although, is it an eight point? Um, it's very difficult, actually, because I'm, I'm thinking it's in the same sort of region. But I'm going to guess at lower oh well it got nine okay exactly so you've got one out of two so far Mm. and finally it's been mentioned enough today um the arctic monkeys whatever people say i am that's what i'm not well i'm gonna say higher and if it's side to side i'll be quite annoyed well they pitchfork gave this a 7.4 yeah well okay well that's that's classic bit, classic bit of pitchfork for you there, but yeah, I think that I think if the uh, the the Libertines got an eight point five, I think the Arctic Monkeys deserves at least a bit more there. But yeah, one yeah. out one out of three, Joe. It's not bad for you. <laughs> no, but you have been playing that game now for sort of two years, so well, you it's know, not, you know, I don't know. My logic never, it's never the same. Do you think, do you think you've got any? You've got any better at it? No, not really. <laughs> So there we go. That, that's the end of the return of higher or lower, up, down, side to side, pitchfork album reviews. A triumphant Probably return. The end of the podcast as well, really. Yes, it is. You got anything else to talk about? No. Well, there we go. Um, catch us next time and see you again. See you later. Mm-hmm.